When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, producer Ben here. Before we get started, I wanted to share with you our sponsor for today, and that is the one and only Tiny Survival Guide and Card. You can get yours pre-ordered right now over on kickstarter.com, or you can get early access to it before Kickstarter ships over on patreon.com. Go get yours now. All right, let's get into today's Manly Musing segment. Hey everybody, this is Craig Cottle, director of Nature Reliance School and co-host of the Survival Show podcast. Thanks for joining me for Manly Musings. It's always good to be here for my weekly foray into maybe some heavier subject matter, thoughtful matter to consider, for me to consider for sure, and for me to throw out some ideas for you to consider as well. Today, I'm going to be discussing and considering some things that are very near and dear to me, and they've been part of who I am my entire life. And it's what, for lack of a better way of saying it, I have come up with. And once I came up with this, I found a number of other people that call it the hunter's paradox. Basically, what has been said is, we love that which we kill. Walt Whitman said this, do I contradict myself? Very well. Then I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. And old Walt has a way for words, doesn't he? And it's very true when it comes to the subject of hunting. I've become very inclined to not necessarily call myself a hunter as I do a hunter-vationist. That is a topic. Uh, hashtag hunter-vationist is a discussion point that comes up a lot anymore. And what I'm finding is, fortunately, very, very surprised to find that as hunting becomes more and more mainstream again, that there are a lot of people out there that think like I do. Here in Kentucky, there are a number of hunters, a large number of hunters, and for the most part, they don't think necessarily like I do in that conservation and hunting go hand in hand. It's a marriage that must stay together. And just hunting for the sake of hunting and killing animals is is not something I'm interested in. Conservation I recognize cannot be done unless hunters are on board. So what's odd about this hunter's paradox is that most hunters that come under this mindset of a struggle, if you will, of killing animals, but at the same time wanting to hunt is because we feel a kinship, if you will, with the animals that we hunt. You know, and most of the hunters out there today do. Talk to any hunter and they're going to get to know the animals that they are hunting in a much deeper way than your typical person that just enjoys outdoors, photographing animals or what have you. For us to go out and hunt an animal, we have to get to know it. We know their habits. We know where they like to eat. We know, we know where they like to go to get water. We know where they go when they're in danger. To a degree, we kind of know their personality. So it's something that we get to know these animals and the way they behave. And again, we develop some sort of kinship, if you will, with them doing that. So I, I'm very fortunate to be able to spend a great deal of my time teaching others about outdoor things uh, through blogs, videos, 
the podcast here, obviously on educate online education, hands-on classes and in a range of ways that I'm very fortunate to be in a position where I get to teach others. And as of late, there have been a number of people that have chatted with me, talked to me and wanted to have in-depth conversations about hunting. And it may surprise you if you're listening today to know that not all the people that are asking these questions are people that maybe grew up hunting and have gotten away from it. A lot of the people that are asking these questions are people who just want an organic meat source and want to be able to be more self-reliant. And they're not your typical uh, run-of-the-mill, hey, I want to go to the woods and live forever. They live in big cities, but they also want to have a, a solid uh, vegetable, a solid fruit, and a solid meat source for their dietary needs. They They just want to eat clean. And that has become more and more prominent. I, I recently taught a intro to hunting class for our nature reliance school folks and the majority of people in that class were people that like i just described these were people that had never gone hunting before in their life they were just interested in learning the law they were learning interested in learning how to harvest obviously they were interested in how to process and how to cook and uh, everything that goes along with hunting and one of the topics that comes up with people that are not interested in hunting that talk about hunters in a negative light say that there's basically no need for hunting in the modern day. Now, I can only speak from my experience and mindset. Me, I, I can speak to how I feel without a doubt, and, and it would be pretty difficult for people to say that my mindset is wrong in my, in my mind. <laughs> That's kind of a, a dichotomous there, but I don't pretend that I want to tell people how they should be thinking about hunting. But for me, hunting is just who I am. It's part of me. It's in my blood. It's not something that I can remove from who it is that I am. It is just there. It's quite frankly, it's very hard to explain at times. It's, it's not like I make a decision whether I'm going to go hunting this year or not. Uh, I am going to go hunting and, and it's known and everybody that surrounds me knows I'm going to be hunting this year. It's just a given. It is not a casual thing for me to do either. It's not just a hobby, something I do and go hang out with the boys and go to the hunting cabin and do all that sort of thing. Although I do some things like that, it's not something that once a year I grab the guys and we go for a week and get away from everybody. And usually when I go to what would commonly be referred to as my hunting cabin with the boys, I'll be in the, I'll be out in the woods hunting from daylight till dark, come in, eat and go to bed. So it's not like I'm just hanging out with the boys. I go to hunt. That's me. That's how I am. There's a number of points I think that we should consider that will prove from my perspective, the hunting is very beneficial. Number one, uh, I mentioned it before, huntervationists, the conservation and stewardship of our natural resources. If it were not for the effort of wildlife biologists and hunters working in hand, then basically all wildlife species would either blow up because of overpopulation or they would destroy their habitat or they would outgrow that habitat and be in the midst of, of uh, urban or suburban life uh, in our neighborhoods, destroying everything that we see. Proper biological management through the use of hunting practices as well as just any number of habitat improvement and stuff of that nature have made wildlife habitat in, in a world with, with humans a very healthy thing. And so it is a, a marriage, if you will, between wildlife biologists, wildlife management personnel and hunters because 
there's only enough wildlife biologists to make the decisions. It's us hunters that are out there harvesting the game and doing it lawfully that makes for healthy game populations. So that's a, a hand-in-hand cooperative agreement, a marriage, if you will. That's why I am adamant that your hunters, those of you that are listening out there, we need to follow the law. We need to do what is the law sits about because those game managers do things to increase the health as well as the opportunities for us to be able to continue to hunt many years down the road. And for us to go against those things and those laws, then we start to bring damage to a population that could possibly not ever need that damage to it. Another one uh, that is a good reason that hunting is beneficial for us is that it brings food to the table. And the food that it does bring to the table is clean. It's a lean protein source. And it's probably the most lean and clean protein source available to us today. So the question begs to be asked, well, can't you just go to the grocery store or, and, and buy meat? Well, you can, but why not be more self-reliant and taking care of your own food sources, particularly your own meat source? The same person that feels strongly that they want to grow tomatoes and have homegrown green beans or what have you in the yard, even in a suburban area, maybe even an urban area working on an urban farm. These people, I think, would understand that we want wildlife to be able to be as wild as they can, to be as healthy as they can. And part of that is this cooperative agreement between wildlife biologists and hunters. But for me, that meat source is is it. It's that's what I want. I want that clean, lean protein. It's, it's healthy. It's going to be one of the cleanest meat sources. It's going to be free of any sort of steroids or any chemicals that might be put into the meat. And so that's something that's very important to me. And it's sort of, you know, I sort of say it like this. It kind of boils down to this, that everyone, everyone that surrounds you, you that's listening, me, the people that are anti-hunting, even people that are the, let's say, the the supporters of PETA. All of us, each and every one of us, are ancestors of people that hunted, ancestors of people that gathered food, hunters and gatherer peoples. Every one of our ancestors at some point in our existence were hunter-gatherers, and they, they gathered plant material as well as they hunted for their sustenance. And without that kind of background, we wouldn't be here. That's one of the things that makes our species, the human species, a very strong species is because we were able to do exactly that. And while it might be that now due to our, you might call it higher intelligence, I'm not so sure, we've evolved out of this need to be able to hunt because yeah, we can go to the grocery and get our own food. It, it, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all that we have this ability to go to the grocery store and modern times have offered us a wonderful amount of wonderful things. Um, I'm not saying that we should be an, uh, that I'm trying to be an advocate that we go back to Aboriginal living, that we start wearing animal skins and we live in yurts and, and we kill our, our meat with stone tools or stuff of that nature. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that hunting is one aspect of the modern thing that we do not want to get rid of. We want it to be able to provide good food and we want it to be able there to maintain these populations. So 
for some of us out here, uh, that might be you that's listening, the desire to hunt is still incredibly strong in you. It might be strong in your family. It might be in, strong in you as an individual. It might be that your parents' generation skipped it and didn't have any desire to hunt. And now you feel a yearning to be able to, to go out and take your own food and be more self-reliant. I'd encourage you to do that. There's nothing wrong with getting some steaks at the grocery store, some good beef or good chicken breasts or some of that nature as well for your protein source. But you can begin supplementing it with wild game, whether it's a, a wild turkey or squirrel, rabbit or deer or elk or bear or whatever it is that you might have the ability to hunt. So for those that are out there that would, in essence, judge me for my decision to be a hunter, just get in line. You're going to be one in a long line of critics of me. And for all the other hunters that are out there, but I can say this, unless someone is a farmer or let's say a commercial fisherman that that raises and catches their own food, you basically have no idea where your food is coming from. You don't know where it's been. You don't know what chemicals it's been treated with. And that includes your fruit and vegetables. So unless you're growing your own garden, you don't know where your fruits and vegetables came from either. So it's really no different. You really have no idea of what you're putting in your body. See, for me, you know, I don't have that problem. Yeah, I do take, get groceries and I get regular groceries from the grocery store. And yes, I go out to restaurants and, and yeah, I do that. But more often than not, the food that I eat from home many times is food that I've harvested, particularly the meat protein that I eat. I gave a a considerable amount of time, energy, and consideration to how that animal was harvested. I process out my own meat, so I put a lot of time and energy in how it's processed, as well as how it's stored. And my wife takes care of fixing the food. I very rarely cook, and she's because she's really good at it. (laughs) But uh, I'm typically there asking questions about how it's prepared, too, because I want to be there from beginning to end. I want to be a part of that. So, To be able to get started in hunting, which I hope that this is one of several podcasts where we cover hunting and discuss different aspects of it. But if you're listening and you want to get started, then get started. Uh, I think it's simply something that you should know that you're not just going to be able to walk in the woods with a gun and be able to go hunting. You know, you need to get the applicable laws where you are, study them, know what is your rights, what's your responsibilities, and If you can find a mentor or you can find somebody that would be able to take you hunting, then I highly recommend that because they're going to be able to help you choose proper weapons. They're going to be able to teach you where to go. They're going to teach you the process, the methodology of hunting. And that sort of experience is just invaluable. So I recommend if you're interested in getting hunting to find a mentor. If you can't, then contact your fish and wildlife. Uh, it might be the department, it might be called the Department of Natural Resources in your state. It might be called Fish and Wildlife. It could be any number of things, fisheries and, and wildlife. It could be a number of different things across the country, but contact them. They have educational programs that will help any number of hunters get started. Hunting numbers have dwindled and started to decrease here in our country. And surprisingly enough, fishing numbers are up and there's a lot of reasons for that. But, but the number of hunters going down is, is something that is, could be alarming. It's not necessarily alarming yet, but it should be something that we should be paying attention to. Because again, as I mentioned earlier, if we're not doing our job as hunters, then we also 
are going to be making sure that our wildlife populations are unhealthy because without hunters, they can't stay healthy. So Donnie Vincent, who makes a lot of fantastic films uh, on hunting, he said, he said this, he said, it is his goal in life to be part and witness to fantastic things and to experience fantastic things. We have to put ourselves in fantastic places. So if you're considering going hunting, here's a few stories I can tell you that I experienced while I was hunting just to encourage you to, to get started. I've had literally one morning when I was deer hunting, I had a bobcat walk across. I was leaned up against a tree and I could hear something walking through the leaf litter on the ground. I was in the National Forest, Daniel Boone National Forest. And I could hear this animal coming through the woods towards me. And I could tell it wasn't a deer. I was deer hunting at the time. And I could tell it wasn't a deer because by the way it was walking, it was, it was, I could tell it was walking. It wasn't bounding or jumping like you might hear a squirrel or some of that nature. It was before the sun had come up. So I couldn't see, couldn't tell what it was. And I had a bobcat literally walk right across my legs. And on a grass hunting trip, I had a bobcat jump out of a tree and land on my head. That's another story. You can look it up on our blog. That's another fantastic story. Uh, I've had songbirds that have literally landed on my knees while I was leaning against a tree in a tree stand or sitting in against a tree just watching critters. I've had one land on my shoulder this past season, deer season. I was leaned up against a log. I'd already harvested my deer, so I was just, I didn't necessarily have to be hunting, but I thought if I found the, the right mix that I wanted to harvest this year, that I would take another one. So I was just, I wasn't in a stand. I was sitting on the ground, leaning up against a log, just simply enjoying being out. And I had an oven bird walk up this log and was checking me out, trying to figure out what I was and literally walked up and stood on my shoulder as I watched it walk up the log and just, just, just amazing just amazing. And it, it never got really alarmed. I mean, uh, it was just checked me out, hopped back on the log and walked off again. And I, I'll never forget one morning many years ago. This was fantastic. I could hear something in a tree below my tree stand. I kept hearing it was a big, big, huge sycamore that would hop what that was hollow. And I could hear all this ruckus and racket going on inside the tree. I didn't, you know, obviously there's some sort of wildlife in there. And I look and here comes a huge, I'm talking huge raccoon coming out. And at the time I didn't know, but I can tell you this now, it was a female raccoon and it was just about, just about light enough where you could barely tell what was going on. I could see something else coming behind it. And then there was a something else. And then there was a something else. And I can't even remember now how many ra baby raccoons there were that followed this mom out of the den down this log and were going out for their, you know, nightly run around the woods to see what they could find. Uh, the stories that I could tell you about owls, I've had owls, I had one owl sweep at me, come right at me. I could see its outline coming through, uh, before daylight and I could see it coming right at me and I don't know what it was doing. Uh, it was like it was trying to come right at my face and its wing brushed against my face. It was so close. And, uh, one time I watched a female deer nurse her triplet fawns, three babies at once. Uh, I've seen deer lock horns in, in the rut and, and, uh, I watched 
one one time I watched a deer lay and chew its cud, and she was 10 feet from me at max. I mean, 10 feet just l- sitting in the woods next to me. She came walking up and just laid down right next to me while I was sitting out in the woods. So I tell you these stories because I want to il- illustrate the importance of your understanding that, a- as I mentioned at the very beginning, it's a paradox, isn't it? I love these animals. I really do enjoy seeing them. It's part of who I am. It's part of what I do. But it's much like if you've ever read anything about St. Francis of Assisi, it it is said that St. Francis could speak to the birds. And oftentimes people would see see St. Francis out in the big fields and he would just be having this discussion going on with these birds. And people have talked for so long about how, you know, is it a miracle? Is it miraculous that he could do that? And the older I get and the more time I spend outside, the more I understand that what St. Francis did was not really anything special at all. Much like a hunter does, St. Francis was simply listening to the ecosystem that surrounded him and answering its questions. So I'll leave you with that. So this has been Craig Cottle with Manly Musings. Hey, give me some feedback on these topics that we kind of dig into. Uh, my goal is to get either Donnie Vincent or Steve Rinella on the podcast. So if you're listening and you have any connection to those two dudes, hook a brother up. <laughs> Hashtag HBO. Help a brother out and help me get connected to those guys. I'd love to get them on the show. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate everybody that's been supporting the podcast. And as always, we really appreciate that five-star review if you like what you're hearing and do everything you can to download these podcasts. The more you download, the more you tell people about us, the better off it's going to be. And these are going to get better and better and better. So thank you so far for all the feedback and we'll see you next week. All right, guys, that wraps up today's Manly Musing segment. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned a lot. Stay warm out there. And remember, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.